Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone. We are back for episode 82 of the Deep Drive podcast here. We've got our top 10 shortstops. I think that this is a really exciting list for multiple reasons. Number one, I think there's a lot of talent at the position, and there's a lot of debate to be had about where certain guys belong. And then number two, I mean, I, I kind of hinted at this here with the talent, but just getting to look at how many great shortstops we have in our league. Um, end of the day, I think this top 10 is full of a lot of guys who are, you know, all-star caliber players. I think we left off quite a few all-star caliber players. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of guys who are going to make MVP bids or have potentially, uh, you know, Hall of Fame cases uh, that we're looking at here. So uh, before we get started today, I think we want to talk about some honorable mentions. Um I had like, I think Jeremy Payne is kind of the first one that stands out. I think he's like the best example of like, could definitely be argued for the top 10, but just didn't make ours specifically. Jeremy Payne didn't make our list, um, but I think he's a good player to to highlight for honorable mention because I think you could definitely, you you can make a very good case for him to be on or off the list, not because of his lack of skills, but more so the skills of other guys around him. Um, But James, I don't know if you had another guy you wanted to mention that kind of just missed the cut. Yeah, um, Tim Anderson, I think two, I think we had he had three votes, so he just missed, right? Um he's he's another guy. Like he could be an all-star, he could not be. He I think he missed one two games last year, but he was pretty consistent, good hitter, uh solid defense now, which is actually a step forward. But um I mean I I don't think there's much else to say. Like we kinda know who Tim Anderson is. And uh whereas with Jamie Jeremy Pena, like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a pretty big breakout from him next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as big on the breakout campaign just because of the aging curve. Like, I don't think entering a year where he's going to turn 26, I think later in the year, that we're going to see, like, drastic physical changes or anything like that. Um, But I will say any player at the position who's an elite defender is automatically going to have a very high floor. It's a very valuable defensive position. Well, um, yeah, whereas- and that's the other thing is, like, with, with the elite defense, like, all Jeremy Pena needs to do to have, like, a – you know, like a five or six win season is put up like a 120 WRC plus. So, right. Cause he's yeah. going to probably put up, you know, 15 to 18 OAA. Yeah. It's, and he's a good base runner too. A lot of these guys are really like, kind of fit the profile of great base running. Um, I mean, these are, these are guys who kind of fall in that category of like traditional, like this is like w- towards the bottom of this list is like your 1980 shortstop, right? Uh, great glove yeah. runs fast lead off hitter. Whereas like when you get to the top of the list, you'll get into the guys who, aren't your 1980 shortstop. Yeah, have kind of transcended the position and turned it into one where you don't just have like your small, you know, undersized athlete. You have uh, players there who are legitimate offensive threats. So uh, getting started at our number 10, uh, we had Tommy Edmond. Um, Now, Edmond, I think, is the per- like he, you just described that 1980 shortstop. Tommy Edmond would be the perfect guy uh, for any 1980s ball club. Edmund is someone who I am very high on just because of the defense and the fact that I just think he does so many different things well. How many people are aware of the fact that you have 5.6 F4 last year? I don't think many. And 
he had a one 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 twelve point eight max exit velocity, which I think is hilarious. Obviously, the ninetieth uh, percentile exit velocity doesn't rank him as high. Uh, but it's still pretty funny that he's one of the hardest hitters technically at the position by that category. Um, he's someone who puts the ball in play a lot. Um, his power has gone, has never really been too bad. Um, and his average has always been solid and up. So he's been able to put up elite BSR totals last year, 32 stolen bases, 8.4 BSR. Um, defensively, he's excellent wherever you put him. At shortstop, he had 11 OAA and under 700 innings there. I look at him as just like a, just a really good all-around player. I think Tommy Edmond is like the ultimate super utility guy, right? He's like the perfect guy. Any team could use him. He'll, he could play anywhere. He could play second base, shortstop, third base, right field, left field, center field, uh, wherever you want him to play. Uh, he doesn't strike out. He walks a decent amount. He gets on base all the time. He runs well. He, he stole 32 bases last year and 30 there before. Uh, he's projected 33 by Seymour next year. I should, I mean, I'm, I'd assume he'd probably get a couple more. Uh, 108 WRC plus six war. That's crazy, right? You get, the 124 that he is rookie year, you're looking at a seven or eight win player. Now, do you expect that? No, the ceiling's super high because of the club, right? Especially now as a full-time shortstop. Last year, um, he wasn't a full-time shortstop. Uh, so, you know, like th- that war is a little deflated, right? Like we talk about the inflated war because of the shortstop position, but now that we're talking about the shortstops, um, now the war is deflated, right? Um, yeah, so... Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at Edmund, end of the day, he's a high floor player. I don't think the ceiling is necessarily as high. The last year would kind of point to maybe that being a foolish way to look at it. Um, but, you know, moving on to a player who's kind of, you know, uh, more of a guy who dropped a lot on this list. Um, you know, we have Boba, Bo- is it not Don- Nancy Swanson? Oh, I missed like three guys here. Um, we have Dansby Swanson coming in at number nine. Um yeah, so keep going around. Yeah, so Swanson's someone who I think Swanson's kind of a souped up version of Edmund in the sense that I think the ceiling's higher here. Um, he's now with the Chicago Cubs, so I imagine these two guys are going to be in direct competition uh, amongst fan bases. Uh, but you know, when you look at Zips, when you look at the Bat X, they kind of view it the same way I do, uh, in the sense that they view him as just a better hitter than Edmund is, um, and for good reason. Edmund is not someone who's going to necessarily generate, uh, you know, damage contact as often as Swanson does. Swanson's someone who's performed really well in X Wobicon. Um, so you know, the plate display isn't great, but when he does uh, put bat on ball, he absolutely destroys the baseball. Um, I think you can attest to, you know, the fact that really good defense at the position is valuable. He's an excellent defender. He led shortstops in OAA last year at 20, if I'm not mistaken, had a six war year last year. I don't think he's going to be a six war player again, but I definitely think this is a four win player uh, because of the defense and the base running and the upside for another five win year. If the bat six around is definitely still there. I think the upside is definitely uh, kind of what you're looking at here. Uh, with Swanson but then again like his floor is also super high so you know you can kind of look at it either way last year uh, we're looking at a guy who had a 116 WRC plus 6.4 out four he kind of fell off a little bit in the second half at the beginning of the year he kind of he looked like you know like a superstar right uh, overall 25 homers 100 runs 100 RBIs like he he kind of he, he kind of falls into that category too like we were talking about with your 1980 shortstop he has a little more power and he doesn't strike out and he strikes out a ton so those are like your your little differences, but you know, he played 160 games in 2020, he played 162 last year for a while. It kind of looked like he was, you know, kind of a disappointment, right. Coming in as the number one overall pick. And then, um, 
you know, than being a top prospect with the Braves. But now we're looking at him and he is the guy we kind of expected him to be. Uh, he's an all-star. He's a World Series. He's a World Series winner. It's Gold Glover. Uh, he just signed a seven-year deal for two hundred million dollars, um, or one seventy-five, whatever. Uh, yeah. I, it's it's interesting that his projections are are so different. The Bad X has him as three point nine WAR. Zips has him at five, and Steamer has him at only three point three, which is interesting. I think Steamer sees a huge decrease in defense. Uh, in DEF five point nine from twenty one point four. I don't don't see 20 i don't see that 16 point you know 16 run difference but i don't know yeah i don't think he's gonna be like that would be the worst defensive season of his career since 2018 uh you'd have to go back to 2017 to find a, a season where he's that poor defensively and they also regressed the bapip a lot more than all the other sites they have him at 303 they regressed the power the most they they just don't like danzy swanson for next year but even then you know we say don't like him but it's a 3.3 war projection so at 150 games so you know End of the day, I still think I'm taking Dan Spee Swanson as someone who I'm just gonna assume is a real is a pretty good player next year, um, and and that's something that I think speaks. Uh, he could ride, he could he can climb up this list a little bit with a high with a really good 2022 2023, uh, but the floor is definitely there for uh, Swanson moving forward. Um, and, and then next on this list is a guy who I think you know Willie Adamas. I don't think he's someone that gets enough praise for how good he was defensively last year, especially considering in his career, he's kind of always been a DRS first guy and not a guy who grades well in the outs above average. Last year, he had 10 outs above average. He had nine defensive runs saved. Uh, you know, the WRC plus was down from yeah, last year, 120 to 109, but I'd argue he was a better player than he was in 2021. And, and war would agree with me. here. He was a near five war player in under 140 games. Um, he hits the absolute crap out of the ball. He seems to have adjusted nicely to not having to play in Tampa Bay, where I believe he's mentioned that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't see the ball well there. If the defensive strides are there, the base running is still pretty, it's above average in terms of BSR. Um, we're looking at someone who's going to consistently be a really good player and has done so kind of quietly uh, for the last few years. So, um, you know, I know that uh, you and I were, bi were big reasons he ended up actually on this list because we ranked him uh, higher than Jack did. I, I don't know if Jack ranked him uh, in the top 10, but Adamas is quietly. Just no, he left really him off. He left, he left off Adamas, Swanson, and Edmund all three guys that we've had so far. Um, so we've is, done a lot of the heavy lifting here for getting these guys on this list. Yeah, he had uh, Pena, Cruz, and Anderson. But I, I mean, we talked about Pena and Anderson. If you told me that you think Jeremy Pena is Yeah, but I think Tommy putting O'Neal Cruz out of the six shortstops I just listed, putting O'Neal Cruz as the number one out of those six is fucking insane. I think you have it's a leap of faith in defense that I'm not willing to take. Um, but... I, I look at these, uh, I look at Adamas. I think the defensive stride is what allows him to go ahead of guys like Swanson and, Ander and Edmund. If you told me a year ago, I think I would have put the other two guys ahead just based on the data we had available at the time, just because of the defense. But if Adamas is as good of a defender as he was last year, I think it's, uh, he's going to, he can continue to climb this list, quite frankly. I'm not, I'm not, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to read exactly what I wrote in my article for top 10 shortstops about Willie Adamas. I'm just going to read it and that's going to be my opinion here. We've seen two drastically different versions of Willie Adamas in his first two years with the Milwaukee Brewers. Last year, after arriving uh, in Milwaukee, he changed the dynamic of the Brewers' offense with a 136 WRC plus and 20 homers in 99 games, but he was worth negative seven outs above average with his glove. This year, last year, uh, he hit just 238, 298, 458. That's slash line. But finished the year with a 4.7 war due to the emergence of his glove. With In 2021, he was worth negative seven. This year, he was worth uh, 10. OAA and 90 RS. If he can put those two together, this is paraphrasing. If he can put those two together, uh, we might see a seven war season out of Adamas. 
Um, I, d- I don't think that's going to happen, right? It's probably not. But I think we've seen two versions of Adamus where, you know, there's there's a big there's a big gap between like the floor and the ceiling, right? Because the floor is he has a bad bat and a bad glove, and then you're looking at a problem, right? And the ceiling is he has that, you know, that 2021 offensive season and the 2022 defensive season. You put it together, and you're looking at a guy who's a six seven more player. Um, I I was on that uh that Adamus MVP train if you don't remember a couple of years ago. Uh, most mostly as a joke, but uh, I I'm I'm really high on Adamus. I think he's really good. I think I put him higher than you guys did. Um, but I like this spot number eight. Yeah, I I think the funniest thing about Adamus is that his two best defensive seasons, according to OAA, came in his two worst WRC plus seasons in 2019 and 2023. Uh, wait, are those yeah? The, 2022, my bad. Um, so like, uh, he's just got. If he puts it together, as you mentioned, there is a there is a lot of there's a there's a lot of ceiling here that hasn't been tapped into yet. I feel like, um, you know, m- moving on to kind of the upper echelon. I think this is where you can, if you were to tear off guys, right, in terms of just their production over the last couple of years, or just kind of their their um status across the league. I think Bobichet is the first kind of step towards superstar guys. If I'm not mistaken, Bobichet. I disagree with this strongly. I, I'm I, I had I had okay so you guys both have Bichette at six I had him at ten so I think Bo Bichette is one of the more on I, I think a lot of Toronto Blue Jays either get overhyped or underhyped I think he's on the underhyped side his yeah, I BSR think they, last I think year Blue Jays fans have a tendency and I I think Bichette is I disagree with you like with the with the specifics of who who's who you know what I mean but I think Blue Jays fans and I I don't know if you agree with this have a tendency to overrate their bad players and underrate their good ones. Yeah. I mean, I think Matt Chapman's like the perfect example. I, I I don't hear enough Matt Chapman hype and we've talked about third base and Matt Chapman was the guy I was like going nuts for. Um, Bichette, dude, hear me out. He put up a 4.5 F4 last year. 4.5. Here are the things that went wrong for Bo Bichette. A career worst BSR, something that I just don't think we're going to see again in 2023. Dude, he's, um, a, he's a horrible defender though. Not uh, bad. I know. I understand. Bichette was a horrible, horrible defender in 2021. Negative five OAA, just negative two worse, just negative, just two OAA better than he was last year. Um, And he put up a 5.1 F4 with a worse WRC plus all that. I think all of his war, if you explain the war difference from this year to last year, it's all the BSR. And I don't think that's going to carry into next year. We're going to look at, or this year, looking at bigger bases, a little bit more of a, a, stable year if you're just tell, looking more at just like regressing his bsr i think he's a candidate to have positive regression there this is a guy who has been a four plus war player in back-to-back seasons right at what point are we going to look at that and say you know yes bobachet is an awful defender bobachet is also 19th in f4 since 2021 right i mean i guess you'd say 20 okay yeah 20. but also like f4 so if we look at last year right defensively negative 7 oaa but negative 15.4 UZR and negative 16 defensive run save. So OAA was the highest on it by a significant margin. That's a that's a whole win. That's nine, that's nine runs. It's a win. Yeah, I I will I completely understand that point, and I hundred percent understand where you're coming from. Our war, which uses defensive run saved over the last two years, has him as a 9.5 war player. F4 has him as a 9.6 war player. I don't think we're looking at someone who has drastic war splits. We're looking at someone who's just a really good baseball player. He's consistently been a very good baseball player. He's a terrible defender, yes. But war 
He's not a shortstop. He's a, he's an amazing baseball player. He's not a shortstop. I think if if Xander Bogarts can be if Xander and we'll talk about Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts should not be docked as much for his defense as some people tried to do last year. Last year people really tried to push it. Not a top ten shortstop. Bullshit. You look stupid now. But Bobachet, people are gonna fall for the well, same. Well, okay, trap. you looked stupid then. You look stupid this was, if you thought if you thought this, Xander was, this is not a stupid top, now. This is a stupid everything. No, no, no. If you didn't think Xander Bogarts was a top ten shortstop last year, you're stupid. And there are people who felt that way. And they're stupid. And they're not all stupid. They're, you know, some of them are my friends, so not stupid. But you were stupid for thinking such a thing. It was a terrible process. Defense, not that it gets overrated, but I think if you are putting up good war that totals and you are putting up good numbers and you're doing so even with bad defense, it should be looked at as you are a bad defender, but in spite of your bad defense, you are a very good player. That's all that should really matter to me. Maybe you view things differently. And this, this is again, like kind of like the the difference in how people evaluate players. But the way I look at it is if you're good at, in your, in, if you're good at, if you have a good war, despite bad defense, I don't view the defense as a reason to make your war look worse. If you get what I'm saying. Yes and no. Like, I, I agree with the fact that, you know, like, war is kind of all-encompassing, so you can't say, like, oh, yeah, he had a good war, but he had that defense, right? I see what you're saying. But at the same time, we're looking at a calculation for war that is drastically different on, you know, different websites, right? Like, war is not exact. It's not It's not a science. Um, So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think Bichette, I'm probably too low on Bichette because you know last last year I'm at seven this year I'm at 10 I think that might be too far of a drop off but I but that's again then again like we added Edmund was a second baseman last year right um Swanson had a breakout year so we're looking at like that's two guys that jumped him right um and then so like I don't think Bichette got worse I just think the position got better I, I don't disagree with the fact with the notion that the position got better. Uh, the way I view it is just I just look at Bichette and I say I'm not going to react too strongly to, to to things that I think are going to kind of fi- not fix themselves, but look a little bit crisper next year, which is the defense and the base running. It was good to see the bat came back. If the bat was worse, then I'd have serious concerns. Yeah, but that's then again, the selling like, value here. I think the I, I know the average does a lot of heavy lifting here, but the fact that he, ne- he never walks, right? He swings every single that's special like to pitch. me. That's special to me. I think sir, dude, certain guys. A 30, he has a 33% on base percentage. That's, spe- dude, there are certain guys. Who, like, you know how, like, you look at guys that are hoopers? Like, Jalen Brunson's a hooper. You know what I'm saying? Jalen Brunson's a real hooper. Oh, here hooper. we go. Jalen Brunson's a real hooper, right? Bo Bichette's just, like, he's just, he's just a ball player, man. Like, some guys, I, I think about this, you know, like, some guys just, some guys just, some guys just should be. Like, screw walks, just, just go hit. It's special. It's special to watch. I mean, I, I do agree though. The chase rate, you know, if you don't, if you do something poorly as a hitter, even if you perform well in spite of it, it's still a factor. It still could be a reason why you don't perform well. It was why he struggled for most of the year until he went god mode in September. Um, but you know, I, I think which is I can... also why it worries me. That's fair. No, that's consistency issues. I think are fair with Bichette. I think me saying that you tear it off here might have been extra. I think you tear it off at the sixth spot. I think that's a good point to start tearing off shorts. Is yeah, I think saying? I think if I'm gonna tear these guys, I'd go those six we talked about minus Cruz because Cruz is come on. I, I so Pena Anderson, what? I think I'd I'd consider Cruz, but he needs to play shortstop and do it well. I'd put Pena Anderson, Edmund Swanson, Adamas as a tier. 
and Vachette as like a tier, right? And then above that, there's I think yeah. there's two more tiers of shortstops, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect way to put it uh, for for Bichette. He's just kind of his own. He's he's in his a little unique bubble, and he can he's going to be able to move up and down this list a lot next year. No, so. I don't think he's in a bubble. Like I just said, he's in the same tier as those guys. I put him lower than you did. I put him at number ten, which might be oh. too low in hindsight, but I mean, like a bubble in the sense of like I think you kind of know what Tommy Edmond is, and you kind of right. You- like Bichette's the only one of those guys where there's still question marks about what he is. Right, he's younger than Jeremy Pena. To give people context here. So right, he's 24. Yeah, he's the youngest player I think we've mentioned so far. So um yeah, right? Because Edmund, Swanson, Adamas, even oh, Cruz, I guess we mentioned, but Cruz, I don't think Cruz is like Wisconsin. 21, but he's yeah. not on the list. So on the on the list are honorable mentions, you know. Um I think he's, he's the youngest player, player on the entire list. Oh, Franco. Franco. Yeah, which we'll get to. Um All right, but, so yeah. Moving on though, uh at number six, we had Xander Bogarts. Now Xander Bogarts, I think uh, I've, and I, I kind of hinted at this before with like that tangent about how I think people who didn't rank him in the top 10 were stupid. I think Xander Bogarts is kind of a victim of just like, I don't know. It, it, it's weird because I feel like Xander Bogarts should, is, is a pillar of consistency offensively and a pillar of consistency as just a ball player where every year, you know, you're getting a good baseball player and not just a good baseball player, a really good baseball player, a player who's going to be a, a, a all-star every year. Um, is going to be one of the, is going to win the silver slugger at the position, all of those things. Um, and I think you can agree with me here. You know, Xander Bogarts is going to enter the Hall of Fame one day if he keeps this up. Like, no, 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 he's he's a lock, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, 34.2 F war at 30. I think we're at that, like, needs a couple of more of those elite years because he just got off to a really slow start in his career. He didn't really, um, become like, well, actually, no, it's not true. He's, he started accumulating war pretty early. I'm wrong. <laughs> Uh, am I looking at the, yeah, I am. That's weird. Huh? Uh, I guess the 2020 year kind of hurt him. I guess we're going to kind of discount some guys there, but, um, I, I think Bogarts is well on his way to a hall of fame career. Um, I don't know how San Diego will affect him, but I think people overblow the no green monster thing. I think he'll still be fine offensively. I think he'll be a worse defender, but you know, if you give me, uh, 2021 Xander Bogarts for the rest of your career, uh, you know, or for the rest of your prime, how can anyone be disappointed? You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, Xander Bogarts is a, is a fucking superstar, and I don't think he gets that type of credit. I think people kind of view him as like great, good, not great, right? Type of player, or or even great, not superstar. Xander Bogarts is absolutely a superstar. He um last year he put up what a six win season for the first time in his career, um, and and Boston fans were shitting on him, shitting on him all year, which was. Absolutely insane to me, by the way. I don't know if you saw this, Ryan, a lot. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of like, oh, I can't believe, you know what, Xander Bogarts, he's a noodle. He sucked anyways. I'm glad he's gone. You're a fucking loser. How about that? Yeah, like, okay, maybe he doesn't hit for the most power, right? Like, he does not have, you know, the raw power of the other guys that we're looking at on this list, except for maybe Turner. But um, still, even even though he only hit 15 homers last year, he hit 307. He walks a ton. So 377 on base. 456 slugging, 134 WC plus six warp, good defense, good base running. If he can, if he can have a good, if Xander Bogers can actually prove that he's a good defender, like I put him there anyways at number four, but I think he'd be consensus top five shortstop. I push back on the notion that he's a good defender just because of the shift splits and kind of like how he performed better on the second base side of the ball. Um, but what I will say is, quite frankly, 
there's not a single projection that views this guy as anything worse than a four and a half win player, basically. I don't think people realize how good being a baseline four and a half win player is. Do you know how hard that is to do consistently year after year after year after year after year? Every single damn year, this guy is really good, right? Every single year. I I know he's going to regress in terms of BAPIP. He's going to also regress positively in terms of his slugging. And his BAPIP's not going to regress that much. He's a career 336 BAPIP guy. This guy knows how to get, has how to, you know, BAPIP is something that we've proven over time. It's kind of a skill. There are guys who naturally run higher BAPIPs. Um, and another thing too. Well, is, yeah, part of that is you hit the ball harder, you're going to have a higher BAPIP. Right. You... Last year, he had a one, you know, his max EV and wasn't too far off from what it was in 2021. His hard hit rate was actually higher than it was in 2020. Like, do you mean to tell me this is a guy who can't go back out next year and put up, you know, uh, a, I don't know, like a 170 ISO and, you know, hit for the average he did and, and you know, be a 125 to 130 WRC plus bat? I mean, he hasn't been a guy, he hasn't been a below 120 WRC plus hitter. I'm a 125 WRC plus hitter since 2017, guys. You know, like he's a pillar of consistency um, and he deserves a lot more, um, I think, credit. I think because he got an 11-year deal, people are using it to, to shun him. It's clear the Padres gave him 11 years, so the AV will be $25 million so they can pay, uh, you know, either Otani this offseason, re-sign Machado, or extend Soto. Look at, looking at the deals they made, I mean, they've been giving guys a lot of years for a reason. So uh, I don't think it's a matter of Bogarts is worth 11 years to them. It's a matter of they are playing with this, with the competitive balance. Yeah, they're playing with the idea that they're, their whole goal this offseason or in the last few offseasons is just to, con- to position themselves to make the next move. It's always about the next move for them. Yeah, and end of the day, he's a really good ball player. And I think that, you know, he's he's that first player in this tier of like, these are all shortstops who are just world-class players, right? And are just really good players. And we're going to be looking at these guys and and, and we're going to be, uh, you know, talking about them as either Dark Horse MVP candidates or straight-up MVP candidates. Um, I think this is a good point to move on to Wander Franco, who I had really high on my list before. Last year, I think I had him as the second-best shortstop or third-best shortstop behind uh, Tatis and Correa um, before some things happened to Wander Franco, such as injuries and just inconsistent play. But I think it's... It's fair to say the age he's at, the talent he's displayed. It's hard to sit here and say that Wander Franco is a true talent, 116 WRC plus guy with just mess skills all, all around. He's got a great hit tool. Um, he's playing for the Dominican World Baseball Classic team, which I think should boost you up on this list. Um, O'Neill Cruz would have gotten some honorable mention love if he would have played, but he's, he's not going to. So um, I'm going to just reserve that anger somewhere else. But, you know, Franco's still a guy who has ridiculous bat-to-ball skills. He struck out 9.6% of the time last year. Um, his isolated power was 140, uh, which is down from 174 in 2021. The bat pip was down. The OBP was down. Everything was just weirdly down. He was injured all uh, for most of the year. I feel like this is just kind of like one of those things where he just gets healthy and he just puts up a four-win year le- next year. I don't, I don't know what you think. I think Franco, and maybe this is just me being playing devil's advocate a little bit. He is the devil's advocate dream, right? When it comes to, you know, how we, how especially Jack has a tendency to rate rookies really highly or not, or young future superstars. Those type of guys like Adley Rushman, he ranked highly last year. That one he hit on, we hit on, right? We all had Rushman up there. I, I don't know if I did, but like as a group, we had him higher than people wanted us to. And we did that once again this year. But I think, I think Franco, like, a lot of people are, I think a lot of people overreacted to how good he was his rookie year. And then I think a lot of people overreacted to how disappointing he was last year. I think he falls somewhere in the middle between there. I have him at number six. We have him at number five, not too big of a difference there. Um, you know, he only played 83 games, but 
this is, I mean, if Franco can do this, what he did in 83 games last year for a full season, he's a four-win player. He he can, like, the way that Franco plays, he can sleepwalk to four wins. Yeah, and I think that high four uh, creates a lot of intrigue here. He's a really good base runner. He has 7.1 BSR in his first 153 games played. You know, again, a 121 WRC plus and 4.7 worn in your first 153 games. Um, You know, and you're entering your age 22 season. I mean, there are a lot of guys who are entering their age 22 season who are, you know, still figuring out double A. So uh, I, I think it's fair to say that Wander Franco has has accomplished a lot at a very young age at the major league level. Um, and next year is going to be a huge year for him to move up this list. If he has that, you know, if he's able to kind of put up what he did in 2021 and do that over a full season, um, you know, with, you know, I think last year, the one thing I will say is I, I think he looked not better at shortstop in terms of, uh, you know, DRS liked his 2021 defense a little bit more, but I think comfort at the position just by having experience could definitely help him. Um, you know, we're looking at a guy who can maybe put up, you know, positive OA and positive DRS value and, and give you about a 125 WRC plus a good base running. We're looking at a really, 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 really good player uh, and a potential MVP pick candidate if he figures out how to uh, tap into his power a little bit more. Um, I think the MVP candidate might be a little bit of a stretch. I mean, if he ever figured, like, if he ever figures out how, like, like, 2021, 174 ISO. If he does that with, you know, uh, I mean, if he does that and hits, like, 300, right? Um, you know, we're talking about a 300 average and 470 slugging percentage we're already talking about like you know wrc plus is north of 130 based on the run environment that we have this like in over the last two years and again it just comes i think a lot of this comes down to how good his defense progresses um that's a lot that feels like the, the situation with a lot of shortstops here where if bogarts was a positive defender xander bogarts would be number one on this list probably right like if he was just a good defender right not even a great just a good one he'd be number one on this no. list in my opinion defense i think plays you don't think he'd be I, number, or maybe not number one. Maybe well, number no, because like, he's just a like, good defender. Like Lindor and Correa, I think, are and Turner. Like, I, I don't know. Like, all three of those guys are, they I mean, are Turner's... good defenders, and they are, and most of them have the, the similar that, especially Correa and Lindor. Correa, yes, but like the other two guys, not as much, at least in terms of projections. I think Turner yeah, is, is like, on his level. Lindor's glove is just on another level. Right, and we're gonna get to that. Like, we we will don't for for like Mets fans, don't worry. We didn't like leave Lindor off the top ten. He is in our top five. So, uh, you know, despite some, uh, I don't know, did Jack actually put him in his top five? We should we should totally Jack had a three. Oh, okay. So never mind. All right. So Mets fans, uh, your MLB nerds hates the Mets. Uh, propaganda is not gonna survive today. Uh, but. I think uh, Franco, I think it's just, uh, you know, if the defense progresses, I think that we could be moving him up this list. If he just stays, has a healthy year, he probably passes, he could probably pass a couple guys here just because he's really young. And some of these, not that these guys are old, but he's really young and he could be entering his prime. Like he's still 22 or he's, he's become, he's turning 22 in March. Like he's not in his physical prime yet. So uh, I think there's still a lot of room for growth here, but moving on. I, I think when we talk about Corey Seager though, He's a guy who I think his defensive strides can be a lot more sustainable than Bogarts are. Um, and he's only 28. He's entering his age 29 season. He had a weirdly bad year at the plate for his standards at a 117 WRC plus. He's supposed to be someone who's going to be positively affected by the shift more than anyone else. The bad X gives him a 140 WRC plus. This is a guy who, I mean, I think we're entering now firm MVP candidates here. If, if, if um, we were to kind of break it off here, I think, Corey Seager next year has a really good shot to win the MVP. Well, not a really good shot because Otani exists, but a really good shot to do well in MVP voting. 
I mean, yeah, maybe. I, I'm not as high on Seager as you guys are. I think I think last year the, the offense is very like concerning, but you know, he did still put up pretty good batted ball data. But then again, like the whole Seager batted ball data thing I think is fucking stupid because he's out he's like been about twenty to thirty points below his expo pretty much every year of his career. At, uh, as high as 50, uh, 55 in 2018. Last year was 40, 41. I mean, like, at, at what point are we just going to admit to ourselves that Corey Seager is never going to, is going, is never going to Woba his ex Woba? Yeah, I don't disagree. I just, I look at the bat pit dropping by like a yeah. whole, like that, that's, that's the only thing I think is going to, I think that. No, well, then again, it's, it's a different, really. it's also, that's a, that could be a ballpark thing. We're not like 100% sure about that. I guess I mean the the thing I the real the reason I really like his bat is because of the fact that I like I know that a lot of research points to him being the biggest benefactor of a no shift rule. The one thing is though here that Seager has kind of been able to quiet down last year is health. Seager's always had health issues. I I, I think again I think and they Seager, definitely are concerning. Just gonna put right. that out there. And he's getting older. It's not like, you know, your injury concerns go away as you get older. Uh, it's not like he's older or anything like that. But and, and every year that passes by is uh, is another year added to your – is another year of uh, playing time added to your body. And he's been around the league for quite a while, so he has quite a lot of, um, you know, mileage on his body. Quite frankly, I don't view him as someone who's going to uh, – you know, I, I don't know I don't know if he's someone that I necessarily think is, like – Super injury prone, but definitely something to think about there. Um, but end of the day, I just think he's I think he's becoming a little bit more of a well-rounded ball player. I think the bat, you know, we could see a 130 WRC plus next year with good defense and that BSR man. We're talking about a really good player here. So uh, I I think at least, you know, I don't know if you have any final thoughts here, but I think at least Corey Seager has proven to me that he if he's healthy, he's really, really good. I don't disagree with you, but I do a little, but not too much. I don't think not we deviate to, too much in terms of like... Not enough to make a big deal out of it. Right. And then number three, we have Trey Turner. Now, Trey Turner... Um, Trey Turner's... He got a bag this offseason. He's joined the Philadelphia Phillies. There's no, like, concerns with, like, ballpark of, like... There are always concerns with, like, Bogarts, I think you could be a little bit concerned about changing ballparks. Not too much. Uh, but Turner's not changing from a ballpark that's, like pitcher friendly or hitter friendly to pitcher friendly he's changing from you know uh, los angeles which is pretty homer friendly for righties to a still homer friendly ballpark in citizens bank park the defense last year um was got, got better as the season went on uh he mentioned that he moved in i think he took steps back or took steps in what which one i think it was steps back just to increase his range or maybe it was steps in i forget um yeah yeah i forget but i know he made a defensive adjustment and he performed better defensively as the season went on the best base runner in baseball, um, one twenty eight WRC plus last year. I I don't really know what else to say other than just I mean this guy's got back to back six war years and probably would have put up a six war year in twenty twenty had uh, we had a full season since two thousand and twenty if I'm not mistaken it's Otani Judge J Ram and then Turner in terms of WAR Turner's actually tied with J Ram so he's been consistent like over the last three years he's the third best position player in baseball right when we don't count Otani's pitching and all that stuff. Uh, so I think that speaks to something. He's a really, really, really good ball player. Um, I think there's just some sort of there's some there are some reservations on my end um, as to how well he'll project. Just because he could he he took a step back offensively last year, and I think the two guys ahead of him on this list are just better defenders, and I think that's why I had him ahead. But I think Turner at number one wouldn't be crazy either. Yeah, I mean, I think Turner at one is a little bit of a stretch. I definitely, I even think two is probably not even really that arguable. 
but you know three i think he's like very solidified number three for me like i i, I couldn't put anyone below him above him or above him below him you know what i mean I mean, I, I think you could definitely – I think him and Lindor for me are really tough to to, to differentiate because, Lind, like, Turner's such a good base runner. And we're talking back-to-back six towards years. But Lind, I think – we'll talk about Yeah, Lindor but I think, I think when we look at the ceiling for Lindor, it's probably higher. Yeah, I think that – and then there's this factor for me of, you know, the defense is just so good for, for, for uh, you know, Lindor. And we know that with no shift next year, certain guys could be affected. Certain guys could play a little bit worse defensively. Or not no shift, but limited shift. Um, we'll ha- I know Lindor is someone who's going to remain an excellent defender, so I'm not really too concerned there. Uh, but Turner, I don't think this is a knock on Turner as much of it is like everyone else. Like the two guys they have ahead of him are just like future Hall of Famers, just like Trey Turner is. So Well, I mean, they all are. Yeah, no, I mean, like, come on. like Yeah, but yeah. like Turner, I think Turner could win the MVP next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. He had a good shot. He had a good shot at it last year. You just kind of he just if he had the if he had the season he had in twenty twenty one last year I think he might have had a shot because he would have been a shortstop one forty wrc plus really good base running really good defense he would have at least had a pretty good shot yeah for sure all right so uh, coming in at number two I don't know why I'm taking over for you but we have Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets who I'm always high on I'm eternally high on Francisco Lindor but. I think I had him last year. I had him at four. The year before, I had him at one. I've had him at one for a bunch of years. He's he was the best shortstop in baseball. He's still number two. Uh, the glove is ridiculous. The bat came back last year. He had a seven win season. Um, I don't think people really gave him credit for that seven win season. Like like he he definitely got a lot of credit for the bounce back. Right? Everyone's like, oh well, he you know like a couple years ago, everyone's like, oh he sucks, right? And the Mets overpaid. The Mets did not overpay. Francisco Lindor is a is a future Hall of Famer. He's 28 years old and he has 42 career war. He is 28 years old and he has 42 career war. He's going to have like 90. That's yeah. like, that's, that's not just, Hall of, like this is, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to end up, when we look back, we'll be like, yeah, Francisco Lindor might be a top five third, uh, shortstop of all time. I'm going to pull up the post-integration uh, career shortstop war, guys. Um, not because, like, we should discount every baseball player who's ever played beforehand, but just because I don't want to have to sort through, you know, guys who played, like, the 1800s. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, it's the guys who are, ahead of, or who are probably going to sit ahead of him at the end of the day are, like, A-Rod and... We're talking about Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter. Um, Is Jeter going to really stay ahead of him? It, like, I think Lindor might finish his career with more war than Jeter. That's a, that's a, I don't think it might. I think he will. I, yeah, I would, if you told me to bet on it, I would bet on it. He's dude, he could finish, he could finish as the third best shortstop in the post-integration era. Like, I I don't think people, I think he could finish at number two. I think he could pass Ripken. He'll have, it'll, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be an upward. Okay. Let's think about it. So he's right now, right. 42. um, 42. I, I wrote an article about this. Um, not about this specifically, but, um, about he'll need his 50, like he'll need 50.5 war he's gonna need to there's a couple he's gonna need to never have a covid pandemic happen again and he's gonna need to stay healthy um yeah but gonna francisco lindor task. stays healthy that's not yeah we're he has nine years left of his contract he'll have to average 5.6 war over those nine years to get there i think it's a little bit of a big ask to ask him to get past ripkin i wouldn't bet on it but i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility here um 
you know, projections, they don't like his bat as much, but like zips, I think is the one that's fair, the most fair on his defense. Cause if like, I, you know, I've sight steamer a lot. If you want me to believe that Francisco Lindor is going to have his worst defensive season ever in 2023, I think it's not a great bet to make after the year he had defensively last year, where he put up 13 outs above average, Um, you know, end of the day, he's a ridiculous defender. He bounced back offensively. I think he'll take a step back in terms of BAPIP, uh, but not to the extent where I think it's going to like impact his ranking too much. Um, he's he's one of the he's one of the best players of our generation, quite frankly. You know. Yeah, and I don't think he gets that type of credit. He's not really, right, and I think part of it he's never won an MVP. He's never going to like win the batting title or you know uh lead the league at homers or anything like that he's he's kind of a he's like a sneaky eight war player right yeah um, and you know seamer has about 4.5 next year i think that's low i um, think the defense just makes the defense makes it so that you really can't not that you because like even 2021 yeah, it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to project a guy to put up 20 df right but he put yeah he's done it every like every year had he played 150 games in 2021, he he would have been a near five. I'm I'm not sure if I'm wrong on this. He would have had a five war. Yeah, he would have had a five five war year. Had he played 150 games, I I think that I think that Lindor is going to oh as you mentioned for all the reasons you mentioned he's going to be very underrated. He's entering his 829 season, folks. He has a chance. Like we talked about Machado being a 50 war a 46.6 war guy at entering his age. Like entering a year where he's turning 31, Lindor could pass that mark entering a year where he's turning 29 or turning where he's already 29. So he'll be about a year and a half behind Machado in age and ahead of him in war. That's kind of crazy to think about because we view Manny Machado as, you know, one of these all time greats. And, and for a reason of our generation, when we think about baseball over the last 10 years, 12 years, Manny Machado is one of the best baseball players on, on the planet, right? Since Lindor has debuted, so 2015. Lindor has I I pulled up, I found this like crazy statistic where it was like he's never been like below the top ten uh for any three year stretch outside of the 2015 to 2017 stretch because he missed a lot of games in 2015 because he was in the minor leagues um since 2015 since being called up he's third in F war since since 2015 he's third in F war so I, look I get it certain guys have been played since then all, all, entirely since then but he's ahead of guys like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and Jose Altuve and Freddie Freeman and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper you know guys who were in their primes at that point in time that's crazy to think about yes he's a shortstop but that should speak to how great he is because he's able to play the position for such a long time right you know Machado doesn't play shortstop because he has to play third base because he couldn't handle shortstop the way he handles third base handles third base Lindor plays shortstop and is going to continue to play shortstop because he's one of the greatest defenders we'll ever see too that's another thing he's one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time statistically i mean yeah for sure like we don't have statistics dating back like we'll we'll never really know if hannes wagner was a good defensive shortstop right or a great one you know that's that's never going to be something that we'll be able to quantify right um but francisco Lindor is probably a top you know like as far as like how much defensive value he'll accumulate over time He'll be a top three defensive shortstop of all time, right? We're yeah talking. We're talking about Ripken, uh, Ozzy Smith, and probably Lindor. And and well, I I well, and I'd say Simmons, uh, Andrelton Simmons. Simmons, to, yeah, yeah. But, Simmons is probably going to finish. But Simmons, Lindor. But I think I think the thing about Simmons though is he'll never have the longevity of the three guys that I mentioned. 
Right, but I mean, he has 200. Like, I, I, because I was just looking at, he has 201 defensive runs saved and 83 outs above average. I'm pretty sure Lindor. Uh, but I think Lindor has 80. Way. I think Lindor has more than 83 outs above average. Right, but remember, he played almost exclusively in the OAA era, whereas Simmons spent some time. Like, I, yeah, he has one non OAA year when we're talking about Lindor. And Simmons, Simmons has probably has like four or five. Yeah, Simmons has. Yeah, so, but I think I think Lindor could end up could end up with his career OAA being upwards of 200, 250. No, it could be. It could, he could put up some crazy OA numbers. It's just, I mean, I just look at this. Like, I, okay, I, I look at. I would be very, very surprised if the day Francisco Lindor retires, he isn't the OAA all time leader. Oh, he. I think I, I agree with you there. Um, but the fact that we're talking, like, when we're talking about all time great defensive shortstops. Lindor's probably the best offensive one, depending on how you view Correa defensively. Um, I, Correa so, is not an all-time great defensive shortstop. Come on, I, I said. I mean, I said depending on how you view him defensively, because according to DRS, he's he's the better defensive shortstop. But according to OAA, no. So it's kind of well, it's weird. It's it's I I don't view him as an all-time great defender, but I think statistically you can make the argument. But you know, speaking of Correa, but I think but I think Lindor has like the pedigree, right? Like Lindor yeah. is absolutely. There's no question. You can't deny it. No, Whereas I Correa, yeah. it's arguable. The other thing about Correa is we don't know if he's like I. I'm I'm way more confident sitting here before the 2023 season that in 2027 or 28 that Correa will be playing. Uh, that Lindor will playing shortstop than Correa will. I'm way more confident in that. You don't even have to say like shortstop playing in 2020. Yeah, no, 2028 Correa will be 33. He'll be playing. I just I mean I the contract. It's five years, right? That's six. There's a re like, I don't know. But we'll, we'll get into him, I guess, now. Carlos Correa is our number one shortstop. Um, I, I know the OAA wasn't great last year. He's a ridiculous offensive player, man. He is he is special at the position offensively. He is a special offensive player. That dude just hits. Um, and again, even with the bad glove, or quote unquote, last year, um, he was still phenomenal in terms of F war. He had a negative six BSR. I don't think that sustains. Um, and he still put up a 4.4 F war. I mean, this dude is if he's going to be the ultimate if healthy case of all time because he's at 31 F war entering his age 28 season and he has not been healthy. He's played three full seasons, three years with more than 110 games played, and he's a 31 war player before the age before his age 28 season. There are that I mean, he is probably one of the best talents we've seen at the position. I don't know if you disagree there. Um, this dude is unbelievable, but it's 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 just a matter of if he can stay healthy. If he was healthy, we'd be talking about him as like this dude's gonna pass. Like this dude's gonna go down as like the next. Um, he's probably gonna go down as the best shortstop of his generation. But I think health is gonna stand firmly in the way uh, in the uh, um, way of those goals. So ultimately, it's a great player, great player. It's just a matter of health. We and then a matter of I mean, defensively next year, if he can be what he was in twenty twenty one. Dude, we're talking about a guy who's going to put up a seven-win season. If he plays enough games. Because the other question is, like, I, I know, like, projections all around him, but I have him at, like, four to six war, depending on what you're looking at. But um, I'm very – like, the injury thing is concerning, especially because two teams pass on him. He's a superstar. He's a top ten player in baseball, and teams were passing on him because of his health. Like, that's concerning because teams don't pass on guys because of their health like that. Not anymore. Yeah, when the Mets didn't, when the Mets pat, when it looked like the like Mets, the, when the Giants passed on it, I was like, okay, maybe there's some. When two teams did it, and it's the Mets, the Mets, the exactly. fact that it was the Mets, yeah, because like the Giants, <laughs> I get it a little bit, but the the fact that the team that 
like it's not just that it was multiple teams. It's also that one of those teams was the New York Mets that concerns me with Correa. Yeah, and you mean the end of the day was a six-year, two hundred something million dollar deal. The Mets didn't want to go past that. That's the, they got outbid by the Twins. Like that tells you something. Um, now I don't the think Twins outbid by the Twins. Outbid the Twins are willing to go do to give him more money guaranteed than the Mets were. That tells you something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and end of the day, I think you and I would agree. You know, this isn't. It's not going to affect him in 2023 as much as it will. You know three or four years down the line, but this isn't a, a projection for three to four years down the line. This is a projection for next year. And I think we get next year. Carlos Correa is the best mix of defense and offense at the position. And he's still really young. And, you know, assuming that, you know, the, the health issues are kind of what they were detailed to be, which is, you know, more down the road, not next year. This is a really, really, really good young ball player in his prime. And, and quite frankly, I'm glad he's at least, I'm glad at least Minnesota got a superstar in, in Correa, but um, you know, it's hard to downplay anything that he does because he's just that good. You know, the tools are all there. The max exit velocity, the throwing velocity, um, you know, everything is there for him. He just has to not succumb to injuries like he typically does at times. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, I think Correa, when we look at it, I, I would, if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on Lindor having a higher war next year. Um, I'd probably also do the same for Turner. I, I did rank Correa at one reluctantly. I would have probably like to put him at two or three um but i i think i think it's hard to argue with what correa has actually done on the baseball field i know off this off the field stuff with the contract and all that i'm not talking about off the field issues like you know i feel like i feel like off the field when you hear that you you kind of get like a negative connotation right you think about like your players doing all the wrong things right correct correa's off the field issues are more so like you know contract negotiations he signed 32 years worth of he signed 32 years worth of contracts last this offseason. He signed $865 million worth of contracts this offseason. Um and, and quite frankly, uh his but, off the but, field. But the other but, thing, like the thing that I sorry to cut no, you off, but the thing that I um disagree with with the injury concern with Correa, I think it's dumb that we're so focused on Correa's injury, but not like Seegers, for example. When Correa is a guy who had, he played 136 games last year. He played 148 the year before that. And he played 58 out of 60 the year before that. We're talking about three years in a row that he's played basically a full season. Oh, I mean, I meant more so like, I I, I brought up yeah, the injury more so to say like, yeah, like, you know, this isn't the list for 2023. So if someone is mentioning, well, the ankles, that's a 2020 like six issue. I, I We're not there yet. I, I am not thinking about 2026 and we're ranking a top 10 shortstop for 2023. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I think Seager's a bigger injury risk than Correa is at least off the top of my head. Um, but uh, end of the day, I, I I'm pretty happy with this list. Um, I, I think that we put at least in terms of you know the right guy, like the process to how we got here, I think was pretty good. Um, you know, I think this list is going to age decently well. I could be wrong about that. Um, I think we've left ourselves open to you know kind of I like guys like Franco or Bichette or Adamas who like. I mean, I'm more so Adamus and Franco, which is kind of funny enough, who have shown de- like the upside to put it together offensively and defensively. I think we've left the door open for them to move up the list. Um, you know, I-, I would have liked to be able to, you know, talk about Pena and Anderson a little bit more, but end of the day, it's just such a talented position um, that it- it's hard to get. It's really hard to find just 10 guys, you know, um, but I'm pretty happy with the 10 be picked. I don't know about you, James. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, especially since, well, obviously, okay, so I, I never, we never mentioned this like we did last time. Um, Jack's list is included here, even though he's not here, right? Um, 
I, I never explicitly stated that, but I think it's pretty obvious when we were going through. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I like the overall look of the list. And I also think, I think this one might get the best feedback. I disagree for one reason. Jeremy Payne isn't on the list, so we're kind of fucked. Astro fans are going to be on my ass about it, at least, which is good. I like that. Um, pause. Oh, yeah. Pause. I guess I guess Payne not being on the list is going to – but Payne isn't – like, like it's one thing when you leave a guy off a list who is, like, a consensus, like, deserving top 10 guy. I, I think Correa uh, – not Correa is – Payne is kind of, like, 50-50. Yeah, at least but right now. They, they don't view it as such, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because – I mean, the postseason was impressive. He's an impressive ball player. It's just, you know – um, they're gonna see Tommy Edmund. I think Tom, the shock factor of Tommy Edmund finishing above Jeremy Pena is going to rouse some people up. I think Dansby Swanson's safe from Crimson. I think Tommy Edmund might be the one that uh gets us some. Uh, you think Dansby Swanson's safe? <laughs> yeah, he is because he's you know he's on a bigger market team. You know he's uh he's a guy who's coming off a really good year last year. Yeah, you know, um, the, like... the the what, what's it called? That's a big market team. No, I, I, I guess the point is like there's See, like that. Uh, curve. St. Louis is a big market team. They are, but like Tommy Edmund, like Dansby Swanson is like a marquee player on the Cubs now. Dansby Swanson, <laughs> Tommy Edmund is not a marquee player on the Cardinals, uh, and that's not to disrespect Tommy Edmund. Uh, just more so to say, I think the average MLB fan is going to hear Tommy Edmund and not Jeremy Pena or like not Tim Anderson and think, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Um, so it is what it is. Tommy Edmund truthers will, uh, will be rewarded next year. Um, but I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Make sure to follow us on all our socials, rate the episode, and we'll see you guys in episode 83. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.